Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking about diabetes, we're going to be talking about pre-diabetes and how you can really better understand the problem. So if you're someone that's concerned about your sugar levels, etc., then you can really fix it. And also we're going to tie that. We know many of you guys that are watching our channel are uh, in part of our Back in Shape membership site. So we're going to tie in this process of diabetes with back pain and just general healing as well because it's something that can have such wide-reaching impacts on a lot of things we're doing on a daily basis so hopefully you guys are going to find this video really really helpful and informative as always if you're new to the channel please do consider subscribing to the channel we do these live streams every single weekday and as always today is going to be no exception we're going to go through q and a at the end of today's today's live stream doesn't have to be on the topic if you've got questions on diabetes then by all means fire away and if you've got questions on your back pain part of our back and shape exercises, etc. then please do post those in the comments below. Lara is the other side of the camera as always, and she's gonna be going through those questions and loading them up for the back end of today's live stream. So with that being said, let's get into today's live stream. Okay, so I've got a little topic on the side here so you guys can see what we're gonna be going through today. There's a few bits and pieces here that we want to cover first and then really the objective of today's live stream is really to have it as useful as possible in the back end so you guys can, can sort of take away some really helpful stuff that'll help you deal with your diabetes or pre-diabetes. Maybe you've been to the doctor and they've done a blood test and say, oh, your sugar levels are a little bit high, we need to get this under control because the, the, the good and bad thing about diabetes, the bad is that it's it's such a... Um, widespread preventable problem that people don't need to suffer with and the good is that it's a preventable problem it's something that we can really address we can really fix we can really work on ourselves and a lot of these strategies are free they don't cost you a penny to do these things um, it's just a, a shifting that mindset in terms of the way in which we understand what is happening in our body and maybe some pre uh, pre-existing thought processes, the way we look at foods, etc., um, and really starting to understand that more effectively. So we'll talk a little bit about what's happening and some of the misconceptions. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about food choices, which is really important. Some healing and back pain topics as well. How does this impact you if you have someone with back pain? We find that patients with diabetes and those sorts of uh, conditions will heal less well. And we're going to explain why that is, one of the reasons why that is. Uh, and then we'll talk about that plan of action towards the back end. So first and foremost, what is actually happening in diabetes or if you're a pre-diabetic? We're talking probably more about the person that is maybe a bit concerned about their sugar levels. You've had one or two visits to the GP and they've kind of started to say, look, do you know what? We need to get this under control or we're going to have to go on medication. And some GPs and a lot of GPs are going to be great at this. They're going to give you that lifestyle advice, that dietary advice, which gives you 100% the ability to reverse these changes just reverse these blood results but unfortunately sometimes you go in there and you're limited with time and they just don't have the time necessary or time appropriate to better educate you so you can understand what you're going through and one of the big things i see people doing is they go and take on those low fat diets and and, and it's like why are you taking on a low fat diet to deal with diabetes which really has more or less nothing to do with fat um so we really need to get these things uh, in order and it's something that I see a lot with patients in the clinic that maybe have a coincidental diabetes uh, at the same time or, or a pre-diabetic and it's just helping you guys better understand what is actually happening in your body 
So essentially, the process of, of it's type 2 diabetes, really. And I'm, I'm not going to go into type 1 diabetes. That's you're born with it. There's maybe some genetic autoimmune conditions going on there and you're on insulin for life. But those people tend to know about it in their childhood. And, and, and I'm going to park that to one side because that's not quite the same. We're talking about that sort of age-related diabetes, that lifestyle-related diabetes that is type 2 diabetes. And essentially, your body is becoming worn out the pancreas in particular is just going do you know what I'm, I'm fed up of trying to regulate your sugar intake i'm fed up of trying to send out insulin to deal with those sugary snacks that you're having those bad breakfasts that you're having those those uh constant sugar spikes through the day and your body is starting to also become less receptive it's saying look you know you need more and more insulin to be secreted by your body to control your blood sugar levels and get that excess sugar out of circulation and put it in the muscles or wherever wherever it's going to be stored as commonly it's stored as glycogen. So your body's kind of just getting fed up with constantly being going up and down with sugar levels up and down. And just on a quick side note, I remember this very vividly from, from some research many years back, looking at the, uh, they, they took two groups of mice or rats, I forget which it was. And one group, they were providing the rats with a sugar solution drink and the other was they were providing them with cocaine. And the, the rats would actually be more inclined to go for the sugar they found that one of the conclusions of that was the sugar was more addictive. The sugar was more, um, more. They were, the rats were or mice were more driven to get the sugar than they were the illegal drug. So it really starts to show the, the the impact that this sugar addiction can have. You just drive it more and more and more because we need that hit. We need to get that sh- those sugar levels up. So it can be something that people really really struggle with. So underestimating the the challenge that some people take. They, they try hard. Um, but it is actually quite difficult and requires a good degree of support mentally more than anything else to actually get there. And we've all been there craving a sugary snack and you just go, oh, well, I'll have this one. But this one turns into the next one and the next one. And it, it can really be quite debilitating for some people to try and actually get the, get a handle under this thing. So one of the, the, the main things is that your body's just becoming worn out. It's just not working effectively to control those blo- blood sugar levels. Now, a big part of this is lifestyle. And I'm going to kind of come back to that a little bit later, but I want to touch on the healing. What is it actually doing to your body? Now, there's two main big ones that you that a lot of people know about. Obviously, you need to then take medication, but the other one is the process of angiogenesis. There's a lot of um, co- uh, co-occurring ulcers and wounds, surface wounds that, that are associated with diabetes. You've got diabetic ulcers, poor wound healing. And why is the wound healing poor? Because diabetes, having diabetes, the presence of diabetes decreases your ability to undergo angiogenesis. And angiogenesis is the process of developing and growing new capillaries. The capillaries help get blood to a target tissue. Maybe that's a wound. You've damaged the surface of your skin. Commonly, it's the feet because it co-occurs with something called diabetic neuropathy, which is basically where we start to lose sensation in our fingers, hands, and the the feet and toes. So we don't know these wounds are there because we can't feel them as well. And then they don't heal very well as well. So it's kind of a double whammy. But the, the big problem here is the healing process is impaired. We don't have the correct signaling mechanisms to allow that healing to go through a normal process. Angiogenesis, the growth of new capillaries is uh, impaired. And also the the tissue is stuck in a state of chronic inflammation. 
So we take that on a surface wound and the same process is happening inside the body. A wound is a wound, whether it's on the surface, there's slight differences inside the body. But if you're someone with back pain and we've got concerns of sugar levels being a little bit funny, they're not, not what they should be, they're not under control well, then we're going to start to influence the healing process that's taking place in the body period. So if you've got that lower back injury, that disc injury, your body is going to struggle more than, the, than a healthy person to produce new capillaries, to provide new nutrition to that area. It's gonna struggle more to get that chronic inflammation under control. So although people don't necessarily tie the two together, in clinic we see this all the time, it's very, very important that we understand that what that the metabolic state of our body has massive impacts on the healing of surface wounds as is demonstrated very, very clearly and very, very widely in the research papers, but also healing in general. And a back problem is no different in many ways to a foot, a foot injury or a hand injury or an elbow injury. The healing needs to take place. It needs to go through the same natural processes of reducing inflammation, of laying down more tissue, of getting more blood vessels, small capillaries to go back into that area to supply it with nutrients, oxygen, and get rid of waste products. And that's how healing takes place. And the diabetes or the presence of these sugar levels being out of kilt can really influence in a negative way that healing process. So that's pretty much sort of the main points I wanted to get into. Now, if you guys have any more questions about the specifics of these sorts of things, then we can go into that either in this video or another time. But I really wanna make this as useful as possible for you guys. So we're gonna sh uh, shift straight over to what can we do to help it? Because that's really the bottom line here. And there's four main things we can do. Uh, and all of you guys have control over these over these particular topics. The first one is dietary, and this is probably the biggest one. A lot of people get told, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got to sort your diet out, sort your diet out. So like I mentioned earlier, they go for low-fat yogurt, other, other sort of uh, decisions. Low-fat yogurt has nothing to do with diabetes, and quite often in these low-fat alternatives that people tend to gravitate to, the low fat is replaced with something like sugar or some sort of artificial sweetener, which is still going to mess up your body in, in, in unfavorable ways. So there's a real disconnect between what is actually going on in my body and what foods become appropriate in this, in this uh, if we're trying to prevent and reverse this pre-diabetic pre condition. One of the other big issues that we notice is that people shift, they go, oh, well, I was having cereal before, so I'm gonna shift over, I'm gonna have porridge, and I'm gonna have porridge with fruit. Well, it's a case of evaluating things. We know that the, the presence of carbohydrate and sugar is going to result in it being broken down to sugar if it's carbohydrate or just sugar in our body. It doesn't matter where that comes from, your body doesn't really know. Yes, these fruits, blueberries, raspberries, etc., they have additional nutrition that we want, but if first thing in the morning you've switched out your old breakfast and you're now having porridge with fruit and you think, oh, well, this is very healthy, what you're really having is sugar with extra sugar. So first thing in the morning, you're giving yourself a nice big dose of sugar, thinking that it's healthy. But for you as someone who's got blood sugar level issues, it's really not the right choice at all. It's in fact very much the wrong choice. Switching over to Yes, we want to make a change from processed foods. That kind of goes without saying whether or not we're talking about diabetes. But switching over to things like rices, etc. Again, those carbohydrates are broken down into sugar, which is going to influence your blood sugar levels. One of the very common things that seems to come out in the literature is the benefit of a ketogenic diet that's changing over to something that is primarily fats and, and protein 
rather than a high level of carbohydrate. And I'll get to a nice little breakfast that you can do because I think it's breakfast that most commonly allows people to fall foul here. It's the fact that their meals in the day, they might have like a, um, a salad with some meat or something to that effect. Maybe a small portion of carbohydrate is fine, like a very small portion of, 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 of good quality um, is, is not so bad. But generally lunch is okay and, and dinner is okay. It's that breakfast that's the first one. Now, um, getting rid of those cereals, porridge, fruits first thing in the morning and switching that out with something else, uh, which I'll get to in a moment, can be a really, really powerful choice. Now also evaluate your lunch. I know I've said a lot of people do have good lunches, but some people equally, they'll go to Costa or whatever, get a coffee and a croissant. That's not a good choice. We're having more sugar again. And then at lunch, many of you guys are going, I'll have a sandwich. So what I'll do is I'll have two thick pieces of carbs with a tiny slither of meat, maybe a ham or something like that in the middle. Well, that's again, 50, 60% carbs, 70, 80% carbs, and it's just being turned into sugar in your body. So when you start to appropriately reflect on what our diet is on a daily basis, and a lot of people do have sandwiches for lunch, um, it really starts to add up and say, whoa, this isn't very good. I'm, my my day, daily diet is consisting of probably 60 to 80% carbohydrate, a tiny bit of protein. And if you've heard us on any of the other live streams talking about the importance of protein for rebuilding, especially if we've got any sort of injuries or going through rehabilitation, then you'll know that protein is very important. But those sorts of dietary choices are really quite bad. I'll have a sandwich, it's healthier than a chocolate bar. Well, of course it is, but it's not that much more healthy because it's a lot of sugar still that's gonna be broken down from the carbohydrate in the bread into the sugar. So understanding these sorts of things is very, very important. I would really suggest if you're watching this video now, as soon as you finish the video, go and just reflect, what is a typical day? Write down, what do you have for breakfast? What do you have for lunch? What do you have for dinner? And what do you have for snacks? Because if you're, if you're serious about doing uh, and reversing your blood sugar levels, it's so possible. And again, I'll get, get into that a little bit later. Um, you can do it, but it requires just a better understanding of what we're having on a daily basis. Now, there's some really interesting stuff about intermittent fasting. That's very good, um, whereby we're fasting for around about 14 to 16 hours. You don't need to do much longer than that. It's not doesn't tend to be sustainable. But if, for example, you have your evening meal at 5 or 6 p.m. and you don't snack on anything for the rest of the night, maybe you have some water, etc., and then you have a later lunch, that is a good option for intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting helps reset your sugar levels as well. It resets your insulin sensitivity as well. It's a very, very useful option. And then obviously we've got exercise and we've got sleep and stress. I'll come back to exercise in a moment. Sleeping and your stress levels also have a negative impact on these sorts of sugar levels, etc. We need to get good quality sleep. And again, if you're someone with back pain, you'll know that one of the few scenarios where we recommend people taking pain medication is so that they can sleep as effectively as possible. And that means taking that pain medication just before bed so we get good quality sleep because good quality sleep is so important for absolutely everything, for your metabolism, for your health, for, for this sort of thing with diabetes, for your back pain recovery. It really is very, very important. Now, one of the really interesting things about a lot of these in the research papers that I was reading is that they all say they have potential short-term effects. If you stop doing the diet, if you stop doing the exercise, if you cease completely the intermittent fasting, they stop having an effect on your sugar levels. And that is, they're saying that like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, it's completely common sense. If you stop having a good diet, if you switch your diet over to something that's a little bit more fat and protein based, and I, and I know some of you guys are saying, oh, well, fat, cholesterol, well, I need to be careful about that. 
we can maybe do something on that in, in the future in terms of talking about that side of things. I'll get a bit too off topic there if we go into that, down that rabbit hole. But, but people say, well, this, these could be temporary changes. They temporarily net positively influence blood sugar levels. Well, yes, of course they do. If you stop exercising, if you stop eating healthily, if you stop making these changes and go back to your old habits, then of course your blood sugar levels are going to rise. It's about starting to change the way in which we understand our body, understand food, understand what is a carbohydrate and what is sugar and what is going to be turned into sugar. And then going through the natural process of starting to just tweak some of our daily habits so we can be more effective. So that's that part. I'm going to go on to this little... Um, little breakfast that we talk about because uh, we were speaking to a family member who was literally maybe in the position that you're in where they've been to the been to the doctor and they've said look hey your blood sugar levels are a little bit high we need to monitor this i need you to come back in six uh six weeks i think it was was it six weeks lara uh, six yeah, six twelve was, weeks yeah. something like that um oh, no, i think it's only three months that they do it, it three, three months, months 12 months sorry yeah, 12, 12 weeks, weeks 12 weeks um came back uh, and said look in 12 weeks i want to see you again to do this blood test again because if it's if it's high again we're going to have to to do some things medication medication and that was it. That was all the advice that they were given, which I was shocked at. I mean, given what we've just discussed, there are lots of things can be done. And it's just like, come back in six, in six as, as if something was going to change. Now, we happen to know that, that person likes going to Costa yes. and having, uh, or used to, have sugar in the coffee. Um, in the yeah, too much. <laughs> um, but also, generally, would be quite healthy, but just wasn't aware of the carbohydrates. Yes. Wasn't aware of the breakfast. Oh, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to have my porridge in the morning with my fruits and and, and and all that. But just really not understanding that that's a problem. So one of the really good breakfasts, and we've actually I've actually recommended this to a number of patients in the clinic as well, and it's really really worked. And we know for, for fact he, it worked for him because of the blood sugar level tests afterwards. I got him to switch out in the morning having, I think it was two boiled eggs or poached eggs with, if you fancy it and if you if it's so if it's your flavour, a little bit of salmon, very small amount of smoked salmon. So we've got the protein and we've got some fats in there. Then having either half an avocado or a portion of avocado with that. And yes, a small slice of toast is okay, as in a very small slice, maybe one, one slice chopped in half of good quality uh, toast. And that way, having that nice balanced diet you've got protein fats in high proportion and then you've got a tiny bit of carbohydrate rather than having 99 percent carbohydrate with some other stuff added in and that really helps just stabilize your blood sugar levels it allows you to get the effective nutrition on board first thing in the morning you can add a little bit of cayenne pepper in there or a little bit of spice to also boost your metabolism and the result of him doing just making that small change and then removing the sugars removing the sandwiches and changing those up for things like uh, salads or vegetables with meats, rather than just having lots and lots of carbs, really made a massive difference for both body mass, which is very, very important. High body mass is associated with the pre-diabetes and the diabetes. He was also doing exercise. Blood sugar levels came back and, and under control. Now, the doctor, when he went back to the appointment to get the blood sugar levels, was like, I don't know what you've done, but everything's fine. Mm. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it is the answer. But that, that little change, just to the breakfast meal alone, can have a massive impact. And having that particular breakfast, you've got a lot of fats in there. You've got good fats, good quality fats. They're so gonna help with your circulatory system, especially in the avocado. Um, and that's gonna help improve your circulatory system as well, but also give that slow release of energy through the morning. So you don't feel like you need a chocolate bar or, or another you know, pastry halfway through the morning. It makes a massive, massive difference. And it takes a, a touch longer, a fraction longer to prepare that sort of thing in the morning, but it's really, really important. Now, the intermittent fasting, I kind of touched on that anyway. You could, yes, go through on a couple of days a week. You could skip breakfast 
and go all the way through for that 14, 16 hour period and then have your first meal, which would be something along the lines of a balanced meal. Maybe it's 20% carbohydrate. You could go without carbohydrate, but many of you guys will find that very, very impractical, but very low carbohydrate and mostly vegetables, fats, and the protein as well. The, the, the additional benefits of that from the point of view of healing, if you're someone with back pain, are going to be wide reaching. And then we've got exercise. Exercise is awesome. And many of you guys will be going through the back and shake process watching this. And as you start to get particularly into phase three and the latter stages of phase two, you're going to be working out a lot more. You're going to start to sweat kind of like I'm doing right now in this boiling room, <laughs> doing those exercises. And that is going to also have a positive impact on your degree of insulin sensitivity and on your blood sugar levels. It's very, very important and very powerful. And you combine all of these small changes together and you're going to do an awful lot better. So just to kind of wrap up what we're going to do, what, what sort of the, the recommendations are, if you will, if you're someone that is uh, a little bit concerned about your blood sugar levels, you don't want to go down the route of medication. We switch out the diet, we evaluate how much in the way of carbohydrate are we having on a daily basis. And obviously the sugar is a no brainer. So if it's fruit, if it's porridge, if it's bread, if it's sandwiches, if it's rice, if it's pastas, all of those things contain carbohydrate. It's not just your Snickers bar. So all of those things can carbohydrate and we want to really eliminate those things. And if you can eliminate them, you'll do very, very well uh, and replace them with those other bits. Possibly look into the ketogenic diet because it is a fantastic way from personal experience and patient experience and family experience. It has a positive impact and you don't have to go all the way. But if you've just got a slightly more ketogenic skew, you're going to find this really positively impacts your energy levels and your blood sugar levels to the point where it's measurable on a blood test, which is really important. We want to know that these things are measurable. You can potentially incorporate a bit of intermittent fasting on your daily routine or weekly routine once or twice a week. It'll just help things stabilize out and then obviously we've got the exercise hopefully many of you guys are really working hard in your back in shape routine and you're building that uh, that intensity as you go through phase two and phase three and that's really important and part of these dietary changes and these intermittent fasting changes and this exercise is going to help with your body's healing process the thing about diabetes is it negatively affects your internal environment things stop working properly and if we have to work harder to try and heal something and we've got these issues to overcome, that's when you find that patients become more and more chronic. And diabetic patients and pre-diabetic patients, there's no question about it, they struggle to heal more effectively. So if you're watching this and you've had a more chronic long-term history of back pain, and you maybe haven't have, have had a blood test in the past that showed a little bit high, we really need to consider some of these changes. Even just changing it for a couple of weeks, four, five, six weeks, and then getting a test You'll probably be sold before you even get the test in terms of the beneficial impacts it's had on your body composition, your energy levels, the way in which you feel on a daily basis and your back pain and how it's going through that healing process. And then the final one is fairly obvious. We want to reduce our stress, which admittedly, given current, uh, current circumstances and current climates, it's maybe a little bit easier said than done. Um, and we wanna make sure we're sleeping effectively. One good thing that has come out a lot of the lockdown, I think, is that people that have been at home for a longer period, I know for us where it's changed our lifestyle, we've, um, you really have gone into much better routine of just every single day. It's the same time you go into bed, the same time you tend to wake up, and that has a massive impact on blood sugar levels, on energy levels, on, on a number of different things for guys, testosterone levels as well. So all of these things can really, really combine and again, I'll come back to that point that it says in a lot of the research papers, these are temporary effects. Yes, of course they are. You're changing your lifestyle 
you're changing, making small changes to the way in which you do things, the way in which you approach food, the way in which you approach exercise, and the way in which we approach sleep. And those changes are for the better. And they're changes that really you should consistently do rather than going back to cake and late nights. So hopefully that's been helpful for you guys. I think we'll go straight over into Q&A. If you guys have any questions, we'll go through those. Hopefully be as helpful as possible in these questions. And again, if you're watching this after the fact before we get into Q&A and you've got any questions, still post those in the comments below because we do check the comments on YouTube and Facebook all the time and we'll do our best to get back to you guys as well. Okay, awesome. Um, Sarah has asked here on YouTube, hi, very interesting, thank you. Luckily I don't suffer with diabetes, but I'm very mindful. How often would you recommend intermittent fasting? If you can ask that, and then just maybe also talk about our patient who did really well because he was also doing the intermittent fasting. Yeah. Diabetic. Yeah. So he was used doing the keto. So um, the intermittent fasting, like when it's convenient, uh, it, the, the nice thing about intermittent fasting is you can do it in a, what what would be a convenient manner. In so much as um, you know you've got a lot on that morning and you just skip through breakfast and go till lunch and you have dinner at lunch. Um, and you have a good dinner. It's no good having rubbish when you eventually do finish the, the fasting period. But I'd say once or twice a week would be efficient, uh, sufficient, sorry. Um, yes, it's something that you can adopt. Some people like that as a lifestyle. They like doing the longer periods of not eating. They maybe have a dinner at lunch, they, uh, lunchtime. They have another meal maybe uh, in the evening. And then they go all the way through to lunchtime the next day. The one thing that I, I, I do want to stress is we've, we've spoken about a few things here on today's live stream, a few different uh, dietary uh, suggestions, uh, the keto, et cetera, the intermittent fasting. There is also this general consensus that some people will, will admit and others maybe try and uh, just really stick to their personal diet that they stick by, whether it's plant-based, whether it's carnivore, whether it's whatever, and stick with it come what may. But there is a certain degree of what's right for you. And the best way to figure that out is do it consistently. Don't do it for a week because in a lot of these changes, they will affect you in a, in a, in a peculiar way, maybe for the first week or so, because you're changing the way in which your body uses energy. You're changing the way in which your body works, which if you've been working badly for a long period of time, isn't necessarily a bad thing. You need to give these things a good go for about four to six weeks and then turn back and say, right, I've done it properly for four to six weeks. If you're really good at this, which is a bit more difficult to do right now, you might also get some blood tests done before and after and then evaluate and say, right, I've done the keto thing. How has it helped me? Yes or no? Are my blood's better? Am I feeling better on a daily basis? Yes or no? Or you've done the intermittent fasting two or three times a day with the healthy diet. Has that made a positive change? Yes or no? You've maybe tried a plant-based diet. Yes or no? Because some people don't respond well to these diets, as particularly plant-based. I'm not the biggest fan of purely plant-based diets for a number of reasons which we can get into another time. But the point is dietary side of things is a, um, it's kind of like an art rather than a prescriptive, everyone should do this diet. So just bear that in mind, please, and, and take that with a little bit of pinch of salt um, going forwards. Okay, brilliant. Um, Sally has said on Facebook, the morning cereals or toast are, uh, are the go-to breakfast choices and egg-based alternative. Um, I think that's just more of a comment than a question i believe sally uh, yeah the ser cereals cereals that. are a massive go-to um i think you've just got a really good uh if you want to take the more skeptical route you've got a very uh powerful lobby behind uh those sorts of uh, companies like kellogg's etc uh that uh, make sure that you get the right message yeah. uh, about your diet and um to be honest you know there's poached eggs in the morning uh something like that is is really a fantastic way to start your day 
Um, and again, I don't have a white piece of toast. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, you know, little bits of better quality food are going to be better for you. Uh, and also you'll find that actually you have those two slices of toast. You have that half avocado and you have maybe that tiny bit of smoked salmon on the side. Firstly, it's an enjoyable meal. And, uh, and secondly, you will feel better afterwards as well. Yeah, I think one thing with these diets is if you're going to do the intermittent fasting and have a very healthy breakfast and, you know, maybe uh, some people might take it too far. You always want to make sure you're getting your calories in. Yeah. And you're not yeah. you're not at a calorie Deficit, well, like, you know, every single yeah, day, so, you, so actually, it's good you mentioned that because I was reading through uh, one of the research papers that we've done um, with uh, reference to John okay. uh, in the clinic, and um, it was talking about the restrictive diet. So restrictive diets do actually work for blood sugar levels as well. So generally, they were looking at about twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. I think it was 1,100 to 1,200 for a lady and 1,200 to 1,500 for a man. That's calories per day. Um, and that short term, in terms of helping blood sugar levels, uh, calories of around about a thousand intake, they're not sustainable long term, but they also really help those of you that are struggling with sugar levels and have a very high BMI. That was something that was quite interesting. But those a thousand calories, they need to come from really good stuff. They need to come from very good sources, uh, very good quality food. Um, and that way, I think that was a nice one. But they said you shouldn't be doing that for longer than sort of a couple of weeks. Well, yeah. it was it was up to 12 weeks, but I really wouldn't suggest you do that for that long. That's going to be a bit too much. So yeah. just bear that in mind. Okay, um, brilliant. I'll continue on. Uh, Karen has asked, are all carbs bad? Very good question. Um, a lot of the time, it's often recommended to switch out from white carbs and things like brown rice and sweet potatoes instead. Would these be a better option or are they just as bad as one another? Look, for the average person that's healthy and under, and under control, yes, that, that's a perfectly good choice. We want to switch to healthier potato, a healthier uh, choices i would suggest that actually i was reading something to do with this is a while ago um the sweet potato is it seemed to be more of a myth than yeah, actually a truth I, I in terms of the uh maybe it's like a marketing thing maybe they had too many sweet potatoes one year um but it it, it didn't seem to suggest that actually there's that much difference between potatoes uh diff the sweet and non-sweet potatoes so bear that in mind uh but if you're if you're pre-diabetic if you're watching this video trying to get some help for uh, you know, your health concerns in the sphere of blood sugar, don't switch out, obviously move over to healthy, but kind of just cut that out. If you want to do what works, get rid of those carbs. And really, I would suggest looking at the ketogenic style of things, because that really has a massive impact. And it's very, very effective. And actually, once you've made the mental shift to approaching that sort of dietary choice or something like that, uh, you're really going to find that the results speak for themselves in terms of blood tests. You do the blood test. That, that's all you need to know. You don't need to know opinions. You don't need to know uh, conflicting information. You need to do it. Do a blood test. Do a blood test afterwards and then and then see, see, see there. But if you need any help with, with sort of those sorts of resources, then do please email us. And, and guys, if you're in the premium membership site and you, you guys are interested in this and want a little bit more information on this, then we can always do a, a bit more of an in-depth follow-up uh, on this particular topic because it is something that I think can really help a lot of people. Yeah, it's a it's a very wide reaching topic. There's just there's um, just been so much false and misinformation spouted publicly over the years through uh, things like statins, all these other sorts of things where and, and sugar levels that and, and low fat diets. There's been so much misinformation that if you've been growing up and been an adult for the last you know for, from 1970 through to through to the 2000s 
and, and been looking at your information from the TV, you'll just be going around in circles going, what on earth am I supposed to do? It's so confusing, which is why I think so many people struggle with this sort of thing because you've had, you know, the decades of fat-free, the decades of, 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 of statins, the decades of, 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 of sugar, uh, and, and now we're a bit more against sugar now because it seems as though the research that was out there before was out there before. It just wasn't necessarily uh, pushed as much. Uh, and it's worth bearing that in mind. Okay, um, Joe has asked here, if someone is diabetic, do you think cutting out carbs completely is best or a gradual yeah. reduction is best from a difficulty perspective? Um, it depends on on two things. Number one, how severely pre-diabetic are you? How close to the wire is it? How many warnings have you had? Uh, and what's your, your sort of your mental? How, how's your headspace and how much support do you have around the house? Yeah, if you live with people that don't really care about it, then that's gonna be more difficult. But if, if this is your last warning kind of thing and you, you feel like you're, you're strong enough and you want, you, know, you want to take it on head on, just cut them out. Just cut them out and, and make sure that whoever's going to the shops to buy the food doesn't buy it. And here's another trick. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. Go Only go shopping after you've had breakfast or go shopping after you've had your main meal. Do not do your food shopping when you're hungry. That is a very bad idea. You make the wrong choices and it's so much easier when you've got a full belly to go around the shops and make smart choices. Very, very good pro tip, if you will. Yeah, I think I think if you do struggle with carbs, um, I, I, I mean, let me know what you think. I always think if something is grown from the ground, something like a potato, that's always going to be better than pasta, something that has gone through a processing or like white bread, a yeah. processing manufacturing um, process. Yeah. Um, that's always going to be better. It's, it's, it's always going to be better um, for the average healthy person, mm -hmm. but again, in the pre-diabetic sugar, sugar at the end of the day. And if you're serious about changing these things, like our family member was, and like some of the patients that we've seen, and, and even John, for example, do it properly or kind of don't do it. Yeah, is is really the answer. And it's not, it's not. It just cuts all the rubbish out. Either do it or don't do it. That that's a simple choice. Brilliant. Um, Kate has said brilliant streaming. Um, and Thanks, whether, Kate. Whether you are diabetic or not, presumably this is a good approach for everybody. Look, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've been back to it. It's a lifestyle choice. They talk about in the research these ten changes being temporary uh, or, or being temporary to the degree the person keeps up these lifestyles or these lifestyle choices. Uh, personally, for myself, and, and I don't know for you, Lara, we find that a keto-y style not necessarily strictly, strictly keto, because that's a little bit onerous as well, but something's a little bit more keto. And on some days we won't be afraid of having an intermittent fasting day and we do exercise and we try and sleep well. Those sorts yeah. of changes are very, very good long-term. You don't need excessive carbs, you know, uh, just for general health and well-being and putting your body in a good condition. And um, that that's really all there is to it. Um, it, it's healthy for everybody. This isn't just for you if you're pre-diabetic because you may say, oh, well, I'm not pre-diabetic right now. I'm going to carry on having my coffees every morning with loads of sugar. I'm going to carry on having my croissants. Diabetes is, as I said, a preventable but very serious and very widespread issue. It affects you for things like if you're in back pain or if you've got problems, you, you surgery. The implications of surgery are more serious. The implications of medications are more serious. The implications on your general health and well-being are more serious. Tissue healing is more serious when you have these sugar issues. And therefore, making, making choices, say, well, I don't have it now. That's the problem with diabetes. You don't have it until you do. And those, change, those lifestyle choices of having those high levels of carbs, having that misinformation so rife and thinking that, you know, porridge with fruit and, 
and um, and excessive sandwiches. Even oh, it's a healthy sandwich because it's got lettuce in the middle. I mean, the lettuce. You know how thick the lettuce is compared to the bread. Okay, <laughs> you know, swap the bread out for you know something else. Um, but you know, it is a lifestyle choice. Yes, um, I was I was speaking to my dad, and I think he was watching the news. It probably was on BBC or something. Um, and and they were reporting that within the next couple of years, they think that diabetes is going to affect one in two. Yeah, one in two. You know, you know, one in two people. But I, I do think that looking at some of the information that's out there, uh, especially in sort of the slightly older generation, um, or even not the older generation, even the sort of the middle aged generation now and above, there is so much just bad information, bad uh, or incorrect viewing views. People are becoming more health conscious, but they go and have a sandwich instead of a Snickers bar. And then that doesn't really cut the mustard when it comes to actually making these changes. So uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but with a little bit of education, and that's why we did this live stream, because I think it is something that um, a lot of people don't, just aren't aware of these little things and you're trying with the best intentions, but if your database of information is false then, or, or is misguided, then that creates problems. Um, brilliant. Okay, so the last thing, I think we've kind of uh, covered it, but Ollie has asked if you had a patient in the clinic with good results in terms of their back pain and getting their diabetes under control. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. had we've had a good few. Uh, John was a great example. Yeah. Chatting well, the, to him, the he was we're awesome. Using John's name is because he yeah, 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 yeah. No, John, like, so, so John, John, John was awesome. So it, it really changed his life yeah. in a massive way. And he was like, you know, tell people, tell people about it, all this sort of stuff, great. because um, he was really, really awesome. Um, and you know, it made such a massive difference for his personal health and well-being mm. that he's really an advocate of these sorts of things going forward. So. Um, John, John's well done John yes um, okay brilliant I think that's everything for today thank you very awesome. much for your question well hopefully you guys found today's live stream helpful um, it was a bit of, bit of a, a, a different sort of topic um, and if you do if, you, if you're one of our sort of regular viewers then thank you and if you do find these sort of different health topics I know we did vitamin D earlier this week We've got diabetes today if you do find these helpful and, and, and us tying them back in maybe to back pain and your rehab process and the back in shape program then please do post in the comments let us know because we'll do more of these they're good fun I think they really are filling some of the gaps in knowledge of many of you guys that are watching this as well it gives you guys an opportunity to ask questions that you may not be able to ask when you go to your GP, your doctor, your surgeon, etc. So uh, thank you for joining us and thank you for being part of our live streams every single weekday. We'll continue to do them next week, but until then, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the sunshine if it stays out. Hopefully it will do. And we will see you next week with another live stream.